0: Hey everybody i'm rachel hey there this is andrea so we've gotten a ton of emails and it turns out we aren't the only ones with crazy neighbors the best stories come from the worst neighbors <laughs>
1: oh rachel do you think
0: we're the worst neighbor well we are those bitches in 209 you obviously have a terrible neighbor or roommate story
2: I have yes
0: probably a few but what is your worst story ever
2: the first apartment i had in san francisco so i was um i was 21 i was super excited you know gotten out of college was moving to san francisco and uh, this is like 2007 summer 2007 was working at this advertising agency this Co-worker sent out an all agency email like, Hey, I have a room open in my apartment. And I'm thinking, Oh, awesome. Like, you know, we meet with her and go over that night to the apartment. The room seems great. She seems super chill. We like got wasted together. I was like, this is awesome. When it came, she's like, Oh yeah. You know, the, the landlord lives downstairs in a different unit. Uh, we just pay her directly. I'll send your information to her and we'll see if it you know, it works. And so I ended up getting approved for the apartment. I thought this is awesome. I've like made it in San Francisco. I think the first sign that something was wrong was...
1: Let me ask really quick. You don't have to tell us the address, but what neighborhood were you in? Oh,
2: I will. Cause I think they still own the, building. they had like 37 lawsuits against them. Like it was like, <laughs> I want, I think it was 1408 Golden Gate. It was like Golden Gate and Steiner. Is this, is this, is why have you heard another horror story from this place?
1: Once I follow you on TikTok, I'm going there and I'm going to egg them. Okay. So you're near Golden Gate Park.
2: No, Golden Gate Avenue and Steiner. It's like, uh, at the time it was called the Western edition.
1: Oh yeah. Of course. Yes.
2: Beautiful outside like house. Like, but I think the first sign then like something was wrong. The smoke detector was like beeping and wouldn't go off. There were super tall ceilings and, you know, we didn't have a ladder to get to them, but it was like, oh, well the landlord lives downstairs. It's fine. And she came up, she went by like a thousand names, which is part of like the craziness of the story. So it was like Layla, Lala, Zahara, Zama, all these names. She grabs a broom handle and her solution to like the smoke detector going off is she just starts smashing the smoke detector with this broom handle. And like my dad was a firefighter for 30 years. So I'm very sensitive to like fire safety. (laughs) And and like the fact that the landlord's solution to like the smoke detector needing a battery was let's smash the smoke detector to pieces. (laughs) It's like, okay, I don't know if that's like exactly like the code safe way to go about things. But within the span of this like same week, the toilet in the bathroom overflowed and rather than have like tile or porcelain in the bathroom, the bathroom floors were like untreated hardwood floors
1: interesting
2: meaning like liquid like soaked right into them and again she came up and instead of like even grabbing towels or like you know whatever helping out in any way she's like oh just give it a couple hours and the water will soak into the wood oh. so it's like toilet sewage water like soaking into the into the hardwood floors and then the sink stopped working in the apart, in the kitchen i don't know, even know like the plumbing had an issue so we couldn't do dishes and we couldn't cook really. At that point, you know, that's a huge, I forget, I forget the legal terms. I think it's called a breach of habit, actually breach of habitability.
0: Did this all happen in a week?
2: More or less. Yeah, it got pretty. So by the time like the next month came to pay rent, I mean, this is like, I paid them deposit the first month, but after a full month, it was like, okay, we haven't had a kitchen, a functional kitchen for two or three weeks, whatever.
0: Where are you bathroom? Where are you, what do you do?
2: like a water closet, just a toilet, and then a the full bath. And those were those were back to working like the kitchen sink wasn't working so we couldn't cook we could just like use a microwave in the refrigerator and at that point it's like it's considered a breach of habitability because you are required a kitchen but also like the contract like what you were paying for is to have a functional kitchen i was told like you don't until she fixes that your way to cure that is to you don't pay rent basically because it's like you can't she had a system where she's like oh just write a check and slip it under the doormat as opposed to like, you know, an electronic payment system or whatever. This is like 2007. And I put the check under the door. These problems continued to persist. And eventually I had to contact like the tenants union and be like, hey, I'm having these problems. And they were like, yeah, you know, don't pay next month's rent you know, send these, you know, document everything, send these legal documents, whatever. They did this, it's called frustrating rent, which means not allowing the tenant to pay rent. So even though I put that second month's check under the doormat, there was no way to prove that because she never cashed the check. Never cashed it. And so this is a tactic that slum landlords will do is they, if they think they're going to have a problem with the tenant, they'll hold on to the rent and they'll claim they never got it. And I can't prove that I put a check under a mat and that she took it. But that's why she had that system of taking the rent that way. I say, hey, look, you got to fix that stuff. And then I called the Department of Building Inspection, who came out and they were like, oh my God, not only what you said, but there's like a thousand other violations in this place. Once they saw I was involving like legal agencies, they got super upset. And that's when she claimed, Oh, by the way, you never paid your October rent. What are you talking about? Like, of course I did. Like I put the check under. And that began the saga of them, like very quickly trying to evict me. Oh. And that's when I found out that my lovely coworker who introduced me to the whole place was basically like, if you can think of a, a, a shady porn company, which I've also dealt with, of like she was the shady porn company, and she used my roommate, who was this like, you know, cute young blonde girl to recruit tenants to come in Shut. and like sucker them into paying more rents called like rent gouging. And she got, uh, she got her rent taken care of or a portion taken off in order to, she was like, a kid. that's exactly where I'm going with this. Like, that's like, like a lot of porn companies will have like a young cute girl recruit other women and be like, Oh my God, you're going to be fine. Like that's essentially what, uh, what, what happened. And, and, and then once she said she served, Oh, she changed the locks on the door, which is super illegal without telling me or any of the other tenants i was lucky enough to meet the neighbors who had been dealing with her for like 15 years they're like we hate her we've been doing and they let me in the back door in in the apartment so my roommate who sold me the whole thing was shocked to come in the door and like see me just chilling on the couch (laughs) later that night i'm just gonna call her zahara she had a thousand names like i said but came came in also super illegal unannounced like the landlord coming in i'm sitting in the dark like watching i don't even remember what it was some movie and she walks up to me and I'm like shitting my pants. And she's like, your days are numbered. And then like comes and leaves. Yeah, they they didn't serve me, but they said they did. They filed a thing in court saying, hey, we served Eric Barrett. And they never did, but they, they falsified a notice that, and the funny thing is, like they were so bad at being shady and then stupid. Like they filed one with the court and then they made a copy of it and filed that as like an exhibit for another legal thing. And that it's supposed to be a photocopy, but the dates were different on the two notices. Oh my oh, god. So it was so obvious that they clearly just made up and they couldn't even align on their own dates of when they supposedly served
0: me. <laughs> I-, I feel like that's shady documentation 101.
2: Yeah. And so I ended up, so, so once I got, then the tenants union really got involved with me and now I'm officially being sued, whether or not it was justified and I didn't have money for a lawyer. So I became my, it's like a, called a pros litigant. That's how I know so much about this. I literally was going up against these lawyers who were being paid by insurance companies, like $20 million. And I was fighting a whole law firm.
1: You don't have a chance.
2: Uh, you don't you don't have a chance. And it's not even because you're necessarily doing anything wrong, although there's like the actual law and the spirit. There's there's things like, you know, the the law, which is I would argue the most important things. But then there's things that, that, are, that are like, oh, when you file a document, it has to be uh, not bound on the left side, but actually bound from the top. And they will throw stuff out if it doesn't meet these little weird. But even with me getting all of that right, because I had a got volunteer from the Tenants Union who like took my case on like full on. When they walk in and they see someone, you know, even if I'm wearing a suit and tie and don't have a big beard or whatever, when they see someone who isn't a lawyer, they, you know, they have a bias and they can kind of dick you around. And uh, yeah, so that's how we ended up uncovering that no one knows the full truth here, but she had, it was like Lala, Layla, Z Zahara, Zahara. She also supposedly had a twin sister and they were swapping identities along with her brother. Yeah. David Salma um and this is this shell game that they would play of like oh no I, that's not me who did it that's the other person oh that's not me and they had like i said like like dozens and dozens of lawsuits in their name you can still look it up i'm sure they still to this day have continuing lawsuits i ended up moving out of there thank god and finding like the best apartment i've ever had on Hayden and Diviz. but the lawsuit continued like for three and a half years it was so stressful how long did there? I lived there like, yeah, like less than three months after all of that stuff. And all, you know, and me going to court, they settled with me. I, or, or I got a a judgment in my favor. I prevailed. And I think I got awarded seven and a half thousand dollars, which when you consider like the three and a half years of my life and like the thousands of dollars I put into photocopying and filing motions, it was nothing. But like, so, I mean, it was, it was It was this weird, like, entree into San Francisco and then, like, tenant law, learning, like, picking your battles, uh, learning shadiness of people. Like, do you fight for the principle or not? Um,
0: Well, at some point, you're just fighting to win. You don't even give a shit about the money. You're like, it's the principle.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a certain point at which a month in, you're like, oh, whatever. When you're two and a half years in versus three and a half, you're like, well, I'm already two and a half years in. (laughs) You know, what is it? This is like, yeah, I I know way more. I mean, the guy, his name was Harold Darling, was the volunteer from the Tenants Union. And super quirky, weird guy in his own right, but knew his, he was a paralegal and he knew his shit. And I learned, I mean, I really was acting as my own lawyer and he and, and eventually I would know more than a lot of the other lawyers and law clerks because they just had their day job doing that. You know, they didn't give a shit. I was a tiny little... Problem on their radar, but for me it was my whole life. So I was invested in finding, you know, reading legal case law and all this kind of stuff. Um, where I ended up knowing a lot more of the intricacies of San Francisco tenant law than some of the lawyers. <laughs> and so, like,
1: what happened to the coworker? Did you still work with her, or where is she?
2: I did. We worked. You know, it was like five floors in the building, so we worked. We worked a few floors apart, and. She continued on her merry way. I ended up, uh, I mean, like I said, it was three and a half years. I ended up moving on to another job, but we still, she moved uh, a couple apartments down because I think once I got that leap, my, like that apartment was flagged by the department of building and all that other stuff, it became untenable to tenants like for a number of years and that kind of forced her to move out so she was pissed at me because
0: you caused yeah
2: and she had a nice little thing going and i disrupted it but it's like you can't get mad because you decided to like play with like criminals and whatever and then when that
0: how did roommates that i mean the other roommates that she had must have moved out immediately and just never said anything and and like took off
2: one of them was like her best Friend, and she was she was also you know I'm sure you saw this in San Francisco like especially people who are new to the city and their early 20s even if they know that it's illegal and something shady is going on they just want a place to live and they're willing to accept that and turn their heads yeah, yeah. I saw that in, in in New York in Brooklyn it's like I lived in an illegal cellar I didn't know at the time but like cellar with no windows constantly flooding basement unit and they're all over Brooklyn people just do it because. A, they don't know better. They don't know what the law is, and 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 B, they're willing to accept it if it means that they have a place to live. You know, yeah. That's kind of how I think the other roommates.
0: Holy shit. Okay, so Eric, you've lived in the city. You've lived in Brooklyn. Have you lived in other cities other than New York and this and San Francisco that have had shady experiences like that? Like, have you lived in Chicago? Have you lived in other big cities? I
2: live so the the cities the the main. Cities I've lived in in, as an adult in California, or I'm sorry, in the United States are Berkeley, San Francisco, Chicago, Brooklyn, and then, yeah, some places abroad. The only time I've had, like, a really great landlord was this place on Hayden Divisadero, where I moved to right after, and it was night and day to this, I don't know if you, Rachel, ever went to that apartment or not, but it was, um, we had some, like, comedy part, like, parties there. we did.
0: We absolutely did. And you performed at Milk, which is just down the street, and so did I.
2: Yeah. Um, that landlord was uh, this old hippie dude who actually owned the building. And he used to live in that unit. And I mean, when I moved in, in 2007, same year to that place, five bedroom place, and the rooms were going for 535 and like big rooms with two full split baths, dishwasher, laundry, backyard. Um, And by the time I left and I had a massive room, I mean, it was the old parlor in this Victorian. Um, The rent was, I made the rents when I took over the lease, I made the bigger rooms more expensive because they were all equal. It just seemed more fair that way and so i had the biggest room and I was paying 715 so still super cheap um over overlooking hate and diviz like with uh with uh bay windows and that landlord was like and he's still you know super chill like he's you know plays the bongos and paints mm,
1: so lower hate. <laughs> this is hate. love it
2: but i've never beyond that i've never had a landlord who hasn't always been trying to like nickel or and dime or like you know, not fix things or whatever, but.
0: Have you ever had, um, uh, have you ever lived in a bigger place where you have like a property manager, not like the landlord, but like somebody who's the building manager that lives in the building?
2: I don't think I've had one that's lived in the building, maybe in in Berlin, in Germany. Um, I, I did forget when thinking about these stories, I did forget that I lived in like The co-ops at Berkeley, like, uh, like with 64 other people and like two roommates in my room, like, I don't know if you know about the co-ops in Berkeley, but like, it's imagine a co-ed, a frat, but not like that frat culture, but like poor kind of like, you know, left queer leaning people, painting on the walls, doing drugs. Some of them have orgies. Like, um, I loved, I had a hugely formative experience, like experiences in in those co-ops. But uh, I wouldn't say bad stories, per se, but crazy stories, for sure. Um, Did you do that for like years or uh, just uh, so you have to be a student there. So and I all told, I think I was in that system for two years. And then I actually is a 35 year old last year because I was getting my master's in Germany, but it was all remote. Came back here to get uh, vaccinated and lived for three months back in the co-ops. which is a trip, like being a 35-year-old with 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds. Student. Who were students. Yeah, yeah I, because I, had to, I was getting my master's degree. And so I had student status, but I was with these undergrads, you know?
1: Could you keep up with them?
2: <laughs> no, you know what it was? It was like, when I went to Berkeley, it was like, we were all about, yeah, of course, super left-leaning, but like free speech and openness and whatever. Um, and this was definitely like very sensitive kind of outragey culture which I'm not used to for the co-ops like I so I wasn't used to that, that was that was a big culture shock for me to see like how much that stuff has changed since since I was in college
1: Kind perfectly sensitive yeah it's, yeah. Just, it's a highly uh
0: I guess I'm just not sensitive well, I mean we grew up in the 80s and 90s
2: so This is the same university that I was at 15 years prior that, like, I was still super leftist, like I said, naked, hippie, drug, gorgies, whatever. But we also understood context of, like, what people, like, intentions of what people said and and didn't, there wasn't, like, this outrage for sport. And I think...
0: You're right. It is outrage for sport. When you lived in Europe as opposed to living here, do you feel like the the living situations in Europe, do you feel like... uh, they cared more about their tenants or, or the residents more than an American situation was, or do you feel like it was just kind of the same?
2: I think it's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, Europe is so much older than the U S and so the, this, the quarters are a lot smaller. It's very common in Berlin, for instance, like the buildings that I was living in literally did not have toilets in the apartment when they were built. Like, you know, 200 years ago or whatever. And so indoor plumbing or not indoor plumbing. Well, yeah, indoor plumbing was like a new thing. That's also where they'll use the term water closet, where it was a literal like crawl space where they would build the toilets and showers into. So I can send you photos, but some of the spaces to get to the shower at the end of the super skinny path, you have to step over the toilet
0: Oh my that, God.
2: To get it. Yeah. So there's a lot of rundown things that it's not even, it's not even entirely that the landlord's neglecting it. It's that like, oh, this building net didn't, and it wasn't supposed to have a toilet in it. Yeah. So there's stuff like that. And also just like the, we have so much space here in the US with the suburbs and, you know, open land and big houses and and that, you know, cars and stuff like that. And that's just not part of the main part, like, like, like the prominent culture there.
0: Okay, so this is the end of Eric Berry's episode, but not the end of Eric's story. In part two, we're going to pick up here where we left off and talk a little bit more about living in the suburbs versus living in the city of San Francisco. So we finished Eric's
1: episode. (laughs) We sure did. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Can we talk about a shit show? Oh my God,
0: what an asshole that landlord was. I can't believe
1: her. Zahara... Zazuni, what's her name?
0: <laughs> Eric doesn't even know her name. No, he said she went by Lala, Layla, all sorts of names. Let's give her a name. Uh, I like, I like Layla.
1: Layla? Yeah. Has a song. Layla. Okay, let's, let's call her Zara. <laughs> Zara. Okay, Zara. We can we talk about the coworker that... Smuggled him in or catfished him. Catfished him. Totally. What a little bitch. I know. How much do you think she was getting? Clearly she was getting a cut from his rent or something from Layla. Can you imagine working with somebody and actively like luring them
0: into your apartment and then knowing that landlord was so crazy and that she was paying you? To lure people into your apartment so
1: that they would move in and pay rent. Isn't that kind of human trafficking just with the humans?
0: I don't know. It's just totally weird. I can't, I don't know how somebody could live with themselves
1: just preying on innocent people. Yeah, but she also knew Eric was young. Yeah. Move into the city, like, for the first time. Naive. Yeah. So he's probably like, oh, here's someone who's helping me out. She I, needs a roommate. And she knew the whole time. Of course. I want to know what her cut was. What percentage of his rent Whoa. did she get?
0: I It would take a lot for me to do that. I don't know. Some people, I mean, shit, she, she probably got a fourth, maybe? I don't know. Oh, not that
1: much. You don't think so? No. Okay. I don't think you get paid that much. She's really... Even though you're doing all the hard work. Yeah, you she's are. She's out there selling. She's doing all of she's it. She's hustling. Yeah.
0: I don't know. How much do pimps get a cut of they the a rate? They get a lot. They they
1: all of the prostitutes' money. Like 90%. God. Oh, my God. Well, I that's could... what they said on like Dateline or twenty. Well, I believe it. That's what they said. Or Intervention. <laughs> they talk about that on Intervention. <laughs> um, so she probably gets, you say, a fourth?
0: I don't know. If I were in that situation, I would require a lot of money to do that.
1: But I wouldn't even be able to keep a lie going that long. Well, if I gave her my rent check and she never cashed it, I would have paid the $10 to just have... The stop cancellation. cancellation. <laughs> put a stop on that check <laughs> or let it bounce. No, I'd put a stop on it. How much is that? Like 10 bucks? It is. Put a stop. Oh, probably not now. Probably like 50, but probably. back in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not age, Eric.
0: <laughs> how about this? How about I would lend you the cancellation fee?
1: How much it cost in the 80s or current value? Mm, how
0: about 1995?
1: 1995
0: (laughs) I'm splitting the difference it's like I don't know in 2010
1: 2010 yeah isn't that in between the 80s and now don't make me use my fingers to (laughs) try to count Listen and subscribe to Those Bitches in 209. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast now. Rate us a 5 and leave us a positive review. And lightly stalk us on Instagram at Those Bitches in 209. Have a horrible neighbor story you want to share?
0: DM us or email us at lovepodcast209 at
1: gmail.com. Tell your friends or even your neighbors about Those Bitches. In 209. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) See, that's funny.
0: No responsibility disclaimer. Errors and omissions. (sighs) Rachel and Andrea, who are going forward using the podcast title, Those Bitches in 209, assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this website or this podcast content. Past performance disclaimer. The information contained in the podcast and website, Those Bitches in 209, is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. Views expressed Disclaimer. All content discussed on the podcast Those Bitches in 209 are individual opinions of Rachel and Andrea and should not be construed of personalized stories. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors of the podcast Those Bitches in 209.